Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance all right, here we are back again. There's been a lot of development on our development. Pun intended. Whoop, 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 whoop. So basically, last time we we talked, we we basically went over how we went up to the Planning and Zoning Commission and how they loved it. Right. Well, what happened in between there is is actually a lot. So the day before Planning and Zoning Commission, there was a City Council meeting, um, and I was there to talk about open space, but we heard them talk about this new inclusionary housing program and ordinance that they're discussing. And then we heard retroactive. And then we freaked out because of that. And Main, first, Al freaked out. Yep. And he was disappointed that I wasn't freaking out. Then I eventually freaked out. Yep. <laughs> so then, so that was Tuesday when I heard about it. But Wednesday, I was just focused on planning and zoning meeting. So then Thursday, I start running around to people, people at the planning department and people at the city and assistant city managers and stuff like that. And the first kind of talk I hear from each one at each one of those different departments is like, oh, yeah, I don't think it'll affect you. And then then I go, "Okay, can you double check? Then I hear from each one of them. Oh, yeah, it does seem like they want this to be retroactive. So then it's like, holy cow, how can we go through and and reapply that this mandate to our project which is razor thin margin every time we get a new bid or something it's like oh that broke the budget um so we keep having to hammer things down so we had to go to the city council and explain and uh so this was just a couple days ago we had to go explain our project why it shouldn't affect us and what was kind of cool about this, which was different, is that for the meetings with the neighborhood meeting, I led the meeting, went well, did the presentation. For planning and zoning meeting, same thing. And Lance was always my backup. Lance was always the guy like um, that would fill things in that I didn't, that I missed, or that I would ask him like questions, whatever. Now the roles were reversed for this one. That's what I thought was cool. So Lance went up first, and Lance was the lead. And it's supposed to be five minutes of talk and then maybe a little bit of Q&A. And Lance went for like 20, 25, 30 minutes, the, the whole back and forth. And then I was the reverse role. I came in for cleanup. Um, so it was kind of nice. Uh, yeah. It worked and out the, well. The other thing I would add is this, is I would, I would say, so what we're going to do today is we're going to, uh, we're going to I, I've cut... Uh, a lot of the audio from uh, my speech and Alex's speech. Um, so we're going we're gonna to give you guys an inside peek of what happened at that meeting um, and kind of give you our take. And then there's also our interactions you're going to hear from the mayor, the mayor pro tem, other city council members. Um, but the, the, the big picture was we ended up getting nine developers in total or, or people from the development community there at that meeting because we sent out a mass we found out about all the active developments in Longmont and yeah. then we sent out an it was sent out a mass email out to all of them and explained to them what what is coming down the pipeline why they should be in attendance and that that was critical again getting people there 
focused and fired up and so that it, it, it you don't just look like you're one sniveling whining guy at yep. the end of the day this is a bigger issue that everybody uh, should be concerned with so again if you are going to step from the architecture role into the developer role the first thing that we said is go meet with city council invite them explain your project to them uh What's great about that is that that is paying dividends in the end. So now when we came up again, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember discussing your project from before, before the ordinance even was in consideration. So our next piece of advice is that city council has meeting minutes and a lot of them record it. So look, if you're thinking about it, look over the minutes and see what's on the agenda each. It's every other week. Right. So see what's on the agenda. And then if there's something that pertains to housing or something like that, either you go or you watch and see what they're saying. Because what's crazy is that you think, oh, we met with them and then we started our thing. So we should just be going through these rules and be, be fine. But there's some issue with retroactive and there's legal issues with it, too. Um, the other thing I would encourage people to do and I started doing this is. You, you can avoid politics if you get, become a developer. I, I'm totally convinced of that, and I mean local politics. You don't have to take a, a left or a right stance. I just mean there are there are politics involved with with you know building in a city, right? You just you're intertwined in the whole thing. At the end of the day, for ours, and for example, like you have to get uh, the city council and the mayor and everybody has to sign off on your plat. So like you're not stopping you know getting involved in that way so what i would do is i would also start watching the planning and zoning uh, commission meetings because those meetings and i would watch them ahead of time just in case you ever have to go up against it uh, not up against but uh, go to make your case for your development because it will help you understand how the meetings work what's what to say what not to say um and understand how they react and like what kind of questions they should ask for um so with that i think uh We'll get, first snippet? Yeah, I think we'll get into Mr. Lance Psycho. I'm here as a developer, a local developer, which I think is a, is a, is a rarity. Uh, we have a lot of people coming into town, right? Um, and I'm also not what you might consider to be the stereotypical real estate developer. I grew up poor. I've had to claw my way to this position today. I had to earn every single scholarship to go to school. I had to work my butt off every single day. My wife can attest to that. She's never seen a harder worker in her life. I'm a Native American. I'm not white. I'm not the typical stereotypical developer that everybody thinks of, this big, evil, greedy guy. I'm not that guy. There is no silver spoon in my family. So what did you think of the leadoff? So it's it's funny because I think you need to tell people that uh, you're a regular person. I think they see developers, and I know that they see developers as just rich people that are just getting as much money as possible. And may, obviously, some of them are. Some of them are great people, and there's a the whole gamut. So you have to introduce yourself and, and who you are. Um, and it even made me think about, you know what's so crazy is that you see uh, some, some really rich people have really fancy, nice cars, right? And I always thought, like, if I had really had a fancy, nice car, like, I didn't want to drive it all the time. But they don't drive those all the time. Maybe it's, like, the ones that are, like, 200000 400000 right? Because it, you don't want to get it bumped. But I wonder... Like Rolls Royce? Uh, Ferraris, okay. Lamborghinis, yeah, right. stuff like that, that. That's a that's a hefty. That's a that's a house level. Keep going. Exactly, but like, can you show up to one of these meetings in a, a Lamborghini? Probably not. <laughs> and well, and here, here was one of not our, that we don't have one. Don't here, worry, we piece, don't have here's any. Here's a piece Lambos. of advice. Again, if I was, I would attend a few of these meetings just as a casual observer. Before you ever have to go up and speak, so you understand how typical people how how the general crowd dresses 
so you come off in the right way. I I I uh, was in a suit, but I didn't have a tie on, you know. So I tried dressed down a little bit. I, I was in a business nice shirt, nice and shirt, and nice business slacks. slacks. Um, but even even then, we felt a little bit overdressed. Uh, so just know what you're. I, you have to understand what you're going into and, and how to how to present yourself. People fear what they don't know. And I think a lot of them don't know developers and that they could be mom and pop shops like us. And he, here's another thing to notice too. You'll notice people when people speak and we've even gotten this advice. Some people come almost every time and they ramble about 10 issues or they have a new issue every time. So let's say you're, let's say if you don't have a, a dog in a fight, like doing developments, um, I think all of you have a particular profession so even if it's not architecture my advice would think about limiting it to what affects you personally right and professionally because let's say you're rambling and you come up and every two weeks or every month you you have another cause they're just going to blow the one that's really important to you the one you really care about to them is equal to every other one and you're just someone who just comes and says stuff all the time so think about that too. The boy who cries wolf, right? It's as simple as that. How how do they know which one's really important? If you if you cry wolf on every time. Yeah. Okay. I spent the better part of a decade starting and building a small architecture business here. Now we are the largest firm in town. We give we give back routinely to the Longmont Downtown Development Authority with two different projects. All of our time, all of our money, all of our sweat equity. <clears throat> And now we're on the verge of starting a development that includes a much-needed affordable workforce housing with all units in the $300,000 range. So all of those units that you guys see right now are in the $300,000 range. We are in a tough position for that piece of land that we are developing. So uh, the reason I put that in there in that part of it was because the the, the interesting thing about where we're developing is it is an up-and-coming neighborhood. And so, once again, I think zeroing in on the fact that not everybody where they're developing is making money hand over fist. And that we had to make the point that we had to keep zeroing in on that this is an infill site. This is a difficult site to build on. Um, Because, you know, later on in that, I cut this out, uh, you know, you won't hear this audio. But later on in the speech, we made the point of if we were building these on the south end of town, we could sell them for you know, a much higher price, the, the profit margin wouldn't be there. I mean, it would be, they would be incredible. So one of the neighborhood prospects, that's amazing that we've done some of the houses for, I just looked one of the neighbors, sorry, neighbor neighborhoods. Prospect. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, okay. Houses, good design. I, I, I like them. Um, you've probably seen these like the cube. Remember mm-hmm. the cube? We, we've drawn by and look at them. One million dollars. Yeah. We're so, not. We're, our, we're not there. You heard it. Three hundred thousand dollars range. Yep. Um, that's where we're at. And and there, which, which for here, that is right at the workforce level housing. You know. And 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 people that are in different parts of the country, uh, just be aware. Like me coming from Minnesota and Lance from North Dakota. That's that's you're like oh that's double a regular house. The house we're I, not in Minnesota. Yeah, the house I grew up in right now is worth a uh, hundred thousand dollars. Yep. Exactly. Um. So. If and you're in California, on, and it sits on an acre. Yeah. If you're in Palo Alto, you're probably like, what? I can't even buy a shed for that. So just know that in our area, that is entry level. Yep. Okay. Let's continue. At the June 26th City Council meeting, Mayor Pro Tem 
Polly Christensen moved to untable inclusionary zoning from discussion and later stated, I really don't want this to be delayed anymore. I want us to have an ordinance and vote on the ordinance and pass it. We can always amend things later, but I implore you to just move it forward without additional meetings and data and reports and updates. We can do that later. Councilman Waters then went on to say, well, my recommendation is that if we can't do it tomorrow, then the earliest possible date. Okay. Know what I thought about that? Well, yeah. Well, I want to ask you what you not only thought about that, but you said you were watching the faces in the crowd. Uh, that's also interesting about having people there to see how they're reacting, especially if you have people on deck like you going up to speak. Right. Well, the faces in the crowd came towards a later segment. So are you going to ping up anyone else talking or is it just me and you? Which oh, is fine. Mayor Pro Tem and I have a, have a discussion coming up. Oh, okay. Um, the thing I would say is as a, at, at the moment when I was hearing it, I, I was almost like, oh, if you're reading a quote, you have to read it in a generic, regular voice. It almost sounded like, I know this is nuanced, but I think like, I think that's what's cool about this discussion, right? Uh, because it's like, oh, you're kind of doing a girly voice, which could be seen as like, you're trying to insult them or something. I don't think any of this was conscious, but what I'm saying is that one time when they were talking later and they talked about one guy brought up an AAR an after actions review. So we're doing a little AAR right here. So the quotes were good because you're saying what they said. So we're not bringing this out of nowhere. Exactly. The analysis and, and, and it made is, us look like we were researched because we were researched. Yeah. So I thought it was all good. The nitpicky thing is, is to everyone else and us in the future is, okay, if you're saying a quote, just say it in a normal verse. Like Mayor Pro Tem said at this date, blah, 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 blah. You know, don't go into a quotey voice because like we're not I, like I did. Yes. Yes. And then you'll see, um, so even some professionals on podcasts, unless you're a paid actor, don't go into a quotey voice. You're not a, you know, you're not a paid well, so, actor. So, uh, what I, so it's interesting that, that that's how it came off to you. Uh, let me, can I tell you where my head was at and what, what, what I was trying to, uh, convey, convey and exude from that was that, um, like an escalating tone. In other words, you know what I mean, like that a concerned tone in her in her quote. Oh, okay. Well, I like a like a growing cadence is what I was going for. Essential sure. urgency. Sure. But it came off as almost mockery. Almost mockery. Okay. Fair almost enough. mockery. I I wouldn't say it reached that level. Um, fine line. How about that? Exactly. And so that's be the, careful with it. That's the thing. Okay. There are yeah. there are these fine lines and. Um, we were talking about other issues. It's like, okay, is it is it worth that that line or not? If not, just go regular, you know. But don't be afraid to do it because I think you have to hold people accountable for what they say in these public forums because number one, it grabs our attention. So I and I knew, you know, understand who you have to try to win over, right? So my one one of my points with 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 quoting her and then the uh, other council member who who made comments in the same kind of tone. Was that I want to grab your guys' attention. I want you guys to engage with me. And at this and at this city, particular city council meeting, it was it. That's what it was. Was it was an open forum, and that's why I was up on the stand for 25, 30 minutes because then they were willing to talk back and forth. Like I had her attention because of that. Yep. Normal city council meetings are not an open forum. Normally, it is. You get to talk for three minutes. They might ask you a question. They probably won't. So at the end, you ask you. You can say, "Are there any questions?" Yep. Okay, let's continue. 
Here's my position and recommendation. I'm on the ground floor. I urge you all to exclude all projects that have already been accepted by the Planning and Zoning Department. What I don't think you understand about those who are currently under planning review is that they have already invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in land, architectural and engineering fees, and that their budget is not based on an unknown ordinance. If you do not provide an exclusion, then this workforce housing project dies. What I hope, this is what we've been trying to get across, and I think it's been successful, is that honestly, it, it kills the project or delays it. So we just had a discussion. We're having a meeting uh, next week with someone who's trying to uh, inform us of, of how these codes apply, right? And the main reason I'm going there is to see how they apply to our future projects and other clients that we have. What means and why this, we're in such a tight schedule that even though they're like, oh, okay, just change a couple things, you know, and then resubmit it. Changing a couple things take a, takes a month. A resubmittal takes a month. We don't have two months and that's on like the fast track side to change anything. Like for example, affordable housing, does it come with sky decks with pergolas? No. Does it come with um, a lot? You don't have to do two car garages. That's why a lot of them do one car garages. So then we have extra parking on there that delayed us months. Like does it come with these other amenities? And then no. So then if we change that, what's so nuanced about this infill site is that Okay, how does that affect everything else that's around it? You know, do you make other decisions based on that? Um, and then spreading off the cost. It, what's been driving, I have not been sleeping well ever since this has happened. Even last night, I almost got to bed at like 9.40. And then I woke up and started thinking about it again. I had to get water at like 11. I'm like, oh, I woke up at 1. So it, I don't know. I think we're getting it across effectively, but we have to keep on it. I hope they understand that like every, my head just goes into domino modes and I don't know if I can explain it well, but like there's so many dominoes guys. Like, are you seeing these dominoes or are you just deciding to simplify it for yourself and, and not see the dominoes? Yeah. Let's continue. Three weeks ago, we received unanimous approval from the planning and zoning commission with very warm re receptions. Here's one from commissioner Schernick. I think it's a really well thought out plan. This is the kind of thing that I would like to see more of in town. It's good architecture, it's good planning, it's good urban use, it's good infill, it's neighborly. They've worked with everyone around them. In fact, they're going to completely redo the drainage and to alleviate drainage problems for the entire neighborhood. I also appreciate that they're local and that they're going to use local contractors and that it's condos, which we don't have enough of. I am here to help build workforce housing in Longmont, but I cannot do this if this ordinance is retroactively applied. Please don't do that. It's immoral. It's unethical. It will only exacerbate the housing shortage in Longmont. Okay, three things. So number one, uh, just so everybody knows, that 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 is basically the end of my speech. And then from here, we're going to go into, it's going to be a back and forth between uh, me and city council members. Um, the first thing is, I have to ask you, Al, was was that quote? <laughs> How did that quote come off? It, you did you did a, a quotey voice. Um but it was for a guy. So like if it was for a girl, it, would, it was more uh, female in nature. But again, I just say, oh, just do your regular tone of voice. Just do your, your regular, regular tone of voice. voice would be yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, were, there were people that, that, co that uh, explained to us 
going into this meeting that you need to show a sense of emotion. So know that like that was kind of my take on it. But now in retrospect, I think I would agree with you. Yeah, you just go back to the quotey voice or whatever. But your emotion came through when you were talking, not in some of these clips, but in other things. Yeah. So when it was affecting you, when it's your family. Sure, sure. Uh, And then the last thing is uh, definitions matter. So I want to make this very clear is that we are using... There's two definitions for housing as it relates to affordability is number one, and then there's and then there's workforce housing. Workforce housing is if you are if you are in in, in Boulder County, the the AMI, AMI average median income for a single person is sixty thousand dollars. A couple is one hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollars. Statistics say that thirty percent of that income should go towards your mortgage if you are going to be a homeowner. So that's where they're getting. That's how they, the city of Longmont, Boulder County, where we are at, are defining what is workforce housing based on those numbers. Affordability is different. That's where you la- start landing in between the 80 and 100% AMI. Or, or 60. Or 60 or lower, all these things. So know that um, it, it's, you have to make sure you stay on point and you know make sure you keep with the definitions. Because just like how I'm using their words... They can use them against you too, so be aware from that. Uh, so then, from here, uh, then we start with some some Q and A with uh, Mayor Begley. Uh, nobody, nobody's in the queue, but I'm a little just. I've just got a question real quick. So you handed us this. This, this is. Uh, I don't understand. So this is uh, PZ. There's a document that looks like it says PZ. Hold, hold it up, Mr. Mayor, please. One. Is that the one that's signed, or is that where we are suggesting it, solutions? No, no, it's signed Chairman Planning and Zoning Commission. Okay. It's PZR 2018 dash. So my question is, uh, where are you in the process? So I, I, I hear you're you're stressed out. We can detect that. Um, Very worried. much so. So my, my question is, what is the what am I looking at on May- June 27th? That is the we, I think we got that the next day. Is that right, Al? Give me a thumbs up. So the next day we received. Uh, Approval. What we're missing is the final plat approval, and we would love if that process would speed up. Um, and then the day after, the day we also got that, which would be June 27th, Mr. Mayor, was uh, we submitted for building permit. We're expecting our first comments back from that on August 8th, and then from there, again, there's no self-imposed deadlines. It's just, well, we typically do this. Well, can we just can we start to set some self-imposed deadlines and? That way people have a target to move towards. So uh, what everybody, there was a previous sequence where the self-imposed deadlines comes up is that um, I I went on, uh, there was there was about five or six points I touched on after my speech about the inclusionary zoning and not trying to, you know, having it not applied retroactively. We talked about things that we're seeing that the planning, the planning and zoning department could improve on to help streamline the process better. You know, we talked about, you've heard it before on this podcast, we talked about fonts, title blocks, all kinds of stuff, returning phone calls within 24 hours. But then, but then, and, and then one of the points was set, setting deadlines for themselves. So if we set, you know, having, having, trying to recreate the free market um, and, and making them, and making them, you know, be, be more efficient in that way. Yep. And this is where, um, this is where I wish, I wish that we could almost tag team it. You know what I mean? Or like tag in. Um, because we did explain later, I think you explained and I also explained, um, it's, it's basically we've, we've planned out everything. We've designed everything. Everything's ready to go. And planning and zoning said, this is a great concept. 
and they approved it. So there's only nitpicky stuff left. Yeah, and so... And I think I say that in my speech. That that piece of paper that that Mayor Bagley was talking about is is the approval that is signed by the Planning and Zoning Board um, that that gives us the approval. And that's the issue. Again, it always comes down to definitions. Understand your argument. That for so the red flag for us in seeing in and the in the previous city council meeting that threw us for a big red flag was they said uh, this will be subject to you projects can be ret- this this will be retroactively applied and to projects that don't have final approval. What does that mean? You know they don't say permit. They, they're the fact that they are just not defining it is the major issue here. Yep. Um, because even this week we got from the city like, oh yeah, you didn't have final approval in January. So it applies like that, that can't be the law. And even like the mayor and city council said after we get an email after that meeting, this meeting and the speeches that you're hearing right now Yep, saying, oh, back in January, you weren't finally approved. So it applies. And I think everyone kind of agrees like, yeah, you can't do that. So our suggestion to them is what is most typical is that once you pass it, everything that comes in new applies, right? Who knows if they'll do that? That's like the easiest, everything, you know, that, that causes no trouble. I'm sure they won't say something like that. So our goal is, okay, if you don't say something like that, you have to have exceptions. And one exception is if you had planning and zoning approval before this ordinance passed, then you're good. You know, like, is this good? So that's what we got to keep on them. I guess I'm, what I'm asking, I'm going back to your first issue, which is, I guess the question is, just, just understanding the process, what would, if someone has, uh, what would the scenario be like with the retroactive date? When we're, I guess, what, what, what would it look, is Eugene here? Or is, so my question is, if somebody comes in and they were, they received, it looks like it's the final approval for planning and zoning, but there's additional comments all remaining, so it's contingent upon all remaining staff requested changes to the plans are made. Where are they at in the process? Are they in the clear? Are they not in the clear? What, what? Mayor and Council, Eugene May, City Attorney, we are drafting the ordinance as we speak. And we are making those decisions now. Okay. I right. think it would be unfair to try to preview those until the or- first reading of the ordinance is released for public comment. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So I guess the answer is we don't know. I understand that. Know, and, and that's the main reason I'm here tonight is, is to try to help you guys understand that, that you, will kill, you will kill a workforce housing project if you retroactively apply it for something that we haven't been planning for. What, what I – we've already talked about this, but, uh, you know, about what I just said. What do you think about the idea that it would be unfair to preview that? I think this is a major issue that I have with the way ordinances are passed at the local level. Have you thought about this in that, oh, so the first time I get to even read this or hear about this ordinance is live in person at the city council meeting. Then I can comment on it afterwards if I have signed up before the reading to comment rather than, okay, here's... Here's here's what's on the agenda for next meeting. You know, so the way it works in our city is in the Friday before the meeting, there's an agenda. It gets published online. You can see the agenda. You can prepare for the agenda. Why why can't the draft be 
published at the same time. So over the weekend, you also have time to prepare for it and have a, have a speech in hand ready to go. Doesn't that make, like, where is the transparency here? Isn't, isn't that an issue? That's an issue. And then here's the other, the other issue that is so crazy because I don't know the legal lease of it. But one part of uh, city council and planning staff is understanding that, oh, it applies to all these projects. And then the lawyer comes up and says, we don't know if it applies to your project. So you're halfway through, you're 75%, 90%, 80%, whatever. We don't know if you have to plan for it or you do have to plan for it. The lawyer says, we don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. I, yeah. So, so how, how can you plan for that? You can't plan for that. You can't. I understand the need for for affordable housing in Longmont. I get it. It's very expensive to live here. Uh, people want to be here. But if the developers don't have a target to aim at, basically the minute they buy the land or they let's say they've been holding on for 10 years and they finally decide, decide to get off their butt and do something with it, if they don't have a target to aim towards, they can't make their numbers work. If you if you all of a sudden said if I, like it'd be like if I bought a car and then two years later I had to pay a twenty thousand dollar tax on it because I didn't I didn't expect that it's just completely unjust I think um, and that's I would I would urge you to think very critically about how you're going to apply this I think it's fair if you give the developers a target uh, Councilmember Martin Thank you Mayor Bagley and. Uh City Attorney May, I'm sorry you walked all the way back up there because I've got another question for you. Um, I seem to recall a few council meetings ago um, that uh, you had some remarks about uh, Mayor Pro Tem Christensen's wish that um, the new ordinance be retroactively applied, and I think you made some, uh, you, you warned us about some circumstances that limited the our ability to do that could you uh repeat that if you understand what i'm referring to and if you, you don't just tell me i'm imagining things you, you wish you would have worn that suit tonight huh <laughs> mayor and council uh i'm not exactly sure what you're referring to i think what i meant to say back then was we understand council's direction is to apply the inclusionary housing ordinance to as many developments as possible that's legally defensible. And that is what staff is working with, the legal staff is working with the planning staff to determine that. And at that point, I asked for council's indulgence to give us discretion to come up with that trigger date and process that we think will implement council's direction as well as be legally defensible. Legally defensible yes and not arbitrary and capricious because an arbitrary and capricious line is is means that you can legally bring up a case which means they have to legally defend it so legally defensible doesn't mean morally right and it doesn't mean it's what's good for the city so what we didn't know was how many developers were going to show up and what their comments were and a lot of them was they have so many projects stuck in the pipeline so city council somehow has to give the lawyers the um, direction of, okay, that's what's legally defensible, but then they decide what is good for the city. 
Should we flood, you know, should we let these ones go through knowing that, you know, more are coming through or should we delay them, fight legal challenges and gum up the system and not have those housing comes on? And even if ours are a little, little bit above affordable housing, one thing that I hope they would take into consideration is what I did, where I bought a small house that was not that expensive, could have been, it was probably in the affordable housing range. And then, oh, I saw a house that was a little bit more and I wanted to move up because I got a bigger family and all that. So people will move into all these houses that if you let them build and some of those affordable ones will, will open up too. So I hope they realize that that's probably a better path for the city than taking this other path. Yeah. Let's see what Mayor Pro Tem Polly Christensen has to say to Lance. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Christensen. Um, while I respect your position, I uh, don't agree with this being cast as retroactive. This is not retroactive. Longmont had an um, inclusionary housing policy for many, many years. It took a hiatus from 2011, and uh, it's taken me four years to restore it. So this is something I have talked about frequently. This is something that I believe the development community knew was coming. This is something in December I was told that I, when I asked the developers that anybody putting in a, um, a um, putting in for any kind of development be told that this was pending legislation and that they would be subject to it just so that developers would not be blindsided. And I know that you have been talking about Chrisman uh, development for several years, and it's a great development, you know. And I, I remember speaking with um, uh, one of your uh, architects, um, I think a year ago, and and talking about it and saying, "Are you going to have any affordable units?" And he, they said, "No, because we can't afford to." And I, I respect that, but. Um, that is what we need. So it is not, this is not a retroactive thing. We're not applying rules to something, uh, for instance, like the taxes you, you referenced, uh, applying a tax to a car that you've been driving for a year. This is something that has been um, a need that we, that a previous city council uh, turned their back on, and now we're restoring it. This is, as Councilman Waters said earlier, just one tiny bit of um, getting some affordable housing here. We have invited developers for the last three and a half years to uh, take advantage of the incentives, and we have not gotten one single affordable unit as a result. So now we are not going to invite them anymore. We're going to say, you need to pay your share. and. That's what it is, because we're all working on this together, and we do need you guys, but, you know, as Councilman uh, Rodriguez said, we, we are trying to build a town in which people, like earlier people and, and the people over here, are trying to have something they can afford. And I think that's, I think you're sincere at wanting to provide um, really decent and um, very nice housing for people that they can buy into. It's not what is called affordable housing, but it's affordable to some. That's why I use the word workforce. Yes, it is. Um, so um, 
I'm sorry that you think this is retroactive, but it really isn't retroactive. I actually don't think it's retroactive. Okay. What I'm asking for is that it's not applied retroactively. And there's, there's one big point I'd like to bring up. And yes. There was a slide that was brought up on the June 26th City Council meeting, and that slide had three different options for you guys to decide on. You can apply this ordinance to – you can apply this inclusionary ordinance to developments of 10 units or above or five units or above or single-family homes. You could do it to everybody. And I think that's where, that's where you have to admit you're, you are, you are, it's a moving target for these developers. So while we are aware that these things are coming up, you, the, the fact that it is a multiple-pronged moving target is a little discerning. And our bankers don't really appreciate it. It's hard for us to deal with it. The numbers I gave you right there that you're looking at, that 2% margin is so razor thin, the only way that the bankers are buying into what we're doing right now is because I'm the architect, I'm the developer, and I'm the builder. So I'm taking I'm taking a 30% cushion risk on this thing. That piece of property, I guarantee, would not get built by anybody else because we are uniquely positioned to do it. So uh, first, let's apply the, the retroactive. And when she, I get her emotion and, and what she wants, right? I, I get that house. she's frustrated. Yeah. I get it. And that, that's, that's literally why I quoted her the way I did, you know, because I was like, I get, I get the urgency in your voice. I can yep. hear it. And I remember you asking me is like, okay, how do we apply this to the next project? And we can, and we will. Yeah. So, so we will once we know everything. But when she was explaining that it wasn't retroactive, I could see on other council members' faces that they were confused because they weren't, they weren't buying it. So the, the analogy that someone else said was essentially, um, so there was prohibition, right? <laughs> right. Now, if they redid prohibition and then they said like, oh, you, drank, let's say they, you let, drank 32 beers last year. Yeah. Jail. Or, or, or let's say they only do, I, this is a crazy scenario, but they only say you can't drink vodka. And then now you're fine for drinking vodka in college. Well, I would be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so that's, that's where it's like, that doesn't make sense because you, you it doesn't make sense. So um, I do think, I don't know how many more you're going to play, but uh, she did turn around um, on that point. I still, you know, you go, I don't think it's retroactive. Well, it is a retroactive if you apply it. Retroactive. Yeah. No. It, it, so we'll con- we're going to continue uh, with my exchanges um, with between Mayor Pro Tem and myself, and uh, let you guys decide and see if you think there's a turning point where maybe Lance change a mind or two. I think that's that's kind of the point of this. So here we go. But don't any of these incentives help you at all? No, not when they not when they ran numbers. Here's why they didn't. Here's why they didn't work. Okay. Is because and that's why I brought up that slide is is because those incentives. I, in my opinion, based on all the numbers that we've ran, they should be applied to units to product developments that are 10 units or over because the scalability is there. You have to be able to scale yeah, out the problem. I and so, if 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 we were doing a 20 unit project, absolutely, absolutely, we could we could we could take advantage of those things. We could offset some of the fees for water, for water sewer. All it would be great. But this, these these little infill sites are number one already very hard to develop on. You need to be an architectural and engineering expert, and I'm, I mean that we are a, we are yeah. Longmont's only award-winning international architecture firm. We are we're the only one that's walked down the red carpet in, in New York City and then came back here and then put you guys on HGTV with our tiny house stuff. So we're not the enemies, and that's why I'm saying I I'm trying to say that it's at the end of the day it's a scalability issue, and you got to give it a decent target. For people to aim at. That's it. How many units are in your nine? 
Oh, okay. And actually, it's only eight because we want to put our headquarters there. You know, if you look at okay. one of the drawings where it looks really funky, that's our cool office building, and we want to start building more tiny houses so we can get Longmont back on TV. Yeah, appreciate hearing from you. I think that's it is very very difficult when you have the, you know, when you have a very small development like that. There might be room to reconsider that. I think. Thank you. That's, that's reconsidering it, and I hope they don't just reconsidering the 10-unit the, the rule or anything like that. But I think a, a big also portion of this is if we knew ahead of time, we could plan for it. We could change things. We could adjust, dress things. Everything that, you know, like I could, uh, and there's that, so many options that we could have done things differently. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and as, as boastful as that was, you know, my little points about us, it's it's the truth, and I, I, what I was trying to get across to them is you guys have very talented people in this town that can help you solve your problems. We can do it. We can do really good architecture at affordable at a, and provide still provide affordable units for you guys. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good partnership. But we gotta have a target. We gotta have a target. Okay. So this is the, the next thing uh, is the last one. Um, I want to leave it on a positive note on my speech is uh, we have, we have uh, council councilwoman uh, Bonnie Finley who who kind of uh, compliments us for for what we're trying to bring to the table. Now, councilmember Finley. Thank you, Mayor Coons. Coons. No, no. Mayor Bagley. Yes, thank you. You know, I've although got, I love Dennis, I miss Dennis. I was too, thinking Bonnie. about Dennis because I, I miss for him. a whole other reason. Yes. Anyway, Lance, I want to thank you for being here. This is an awesome uh, infill project, and I hope you get to build it. I had a question. Uh, what date? Can you tell me what date you began the process with the city? Now I'm, I'm, now I'm live again. Uh, we formally started the process. We were formally accepted in uh, September 14th, 2017, into the planning and zoning department. But I would preface that. Well, I should have prefaced that with. Um, we had several pre-application meetings, so you could maybe mm-hmm. say two or three months before that. Um, and in, in total, since we purchased the piece of property, 18 months. Okay, so you started the process September of 2017. Yes. I think we need to look at, in, in this, I hope everyone, all my fellow council members will look at uh, how long it takes to get through the process and when people start and when we should apply this inclusionary zoning and the number of units. I hope that we'll look at that. Also, the fact that you're building uh, workforce housing, you know, these are the kinds of housing units that our police and fire and our teachers can afford to live in. This is what we want. So you should get credit for that. And I hope that this ordinance will take that into consideration as well. So thank you for coming and thank you for this project. Thank me. Thank me, Al. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Tell me. <laughs> swoops in at the end <laughs> um, that gives me more hope because again there's so many moving things but again they could just make one rule like hey if you if you started this before this even talked about like of course it doesn't apply you know and i just hope this stuff gets remembered there's so much on their plate for city council that the the amount of issues that they're dealing with what's going on we, we have a very active uh citizen population here in Longmont politically. Uh, Boulder County is very highly educated, so people are always out, you know, petitioning and doing things. Yeah. They have their plates full. I'm wondering if it would behoove us. I I can't even uh, get an email to the the lawyer um, and probably wouldn't do anything, but, you know, we can drop off stuff. Um, Like, 
I don't know who it, it, I, we've been reassured that, Hey, keep continuing along stuff like that. It, it just, and, and I agree that the, a lot of the council members, they're very serious in, in, in their words of like, Oh, let's look at if you started this two years ago, like we can't apply this. Is that going to come through in the end? We got to keep watching. Yep. We got to keep watching. Yeah. And with that, we will next move on to Al Gore's boring, glorious, uh, five minute speech here. No um, PowerPoint. It's really good. It's really good. Uh, I did cut out all all the dumb stuff that he that he said. Just kidding. He didn't say anything. <laughs> he made some jokes. <laughs> oh, I trimmed it so it's <laughs> it's nice. It, it's you good. left the jokes in, right? I, I did leave some jokes in. Absolutely. Good. Yep. So here we go. Uh, we'll hear from Mr. Al Gore. Uh, he's not discussing climate change. And uh, then after that, we will take a five-minute break. I'm Lance's business partner. Again, we want to build housing um, and uh, because the population is not getting smaller. Um, so the more housing can exacerbate, can help this. Um, we started from scratch in Longmont out of my dining room apartment uh, during the recession. We worked at really good firms and, and, and got laid off um, because a third of architecture firms got laid off. The whole construction industry was, was terrible. Um, so we s- saved up slowly, worked hard, and finally purchased land in, in 2017 um, before the discussion of this. And to, to uh, Mayor Pro Tem's point, we were never made aware. And honestly, if we were made aware and if we, you know, we would plan for that. And that's what we're asking for is if there's something we can plan for, we'll, we'll do it. Um, on July 27th, like Lance said, we received our planning and zoning com- uh, conditional improvements. The only con- uh, conditions were a drainage issue which we figured out with staff, went directly to them a month before that meeting. So talked to the engineers. Um, We had to verify that our lighting would work, which it does, and then uh, a typo on the landscape page. So the difference between planning and zoning and the building construction process when you go in for getting your building is that normally at this stage right now, where we're at with planning and zoning, is that we'd meet with the head guy, which we do have a head guy, and, and it works great. And so like in the building department, it would be Andy. And we'd say, hey, we met these three things. Is everything fine? He'd look at them and he'd say, good, you're, you're good to go. Even though in the building department, you do have, um, this isn't planning and zoning. You have to do HVAC calculations. You have to do electrical, all that stuff. But there's one guy that can take charge and he can see that these are the real issues and they're focused on life, safety, and welfare. So the planning department they have their processes because I know that there's there's a whole bunch and maybe for smaller processes smaller projects there should be something different but for this project it's those three issues and what I'm really afraid of I'm immensely scared of because what I'm hearing from other developers is that it should be that issue those three things should be done we're I fear we're like we're going to get comments back that our irrigation isn't irrigating some small part of the thing. So then we have to redo everything. We have to send it in. It takes a week to get in. Then they have to plan out. You know, it'll take months. Do you think that as professionals that we're going to let some irrigation thing, you know, not work? We'll see it in the field and we'll fix it. It's not affecting life, safety, and welfare. So um, I think that they're going towards that. And it was our and their recommendations are spot on. Is give those planning guys. Um, the authority to say yes, you're good, and then tell them, hey, we don't, we we are eliminating some of this nitpicky stuff, which might take some discussion that we're helpful for. But that's a huge difference. Building department, they'd say, oh, you fix these three things, you're good to go. Planning department, it's whole new submittals and this whole new process. And again, on bigger projects, again, I cannot speak to larger projects. I can only speak to our small project. Um, so, if we had to 
if we had to apply these rules that we don't know yet because it doesn't exist to our project, it would kill it because basically we'd have to spread those costs over. So sky decks would have to go out. We'd have to change the exterior facade. Windows would have to change. We might even get get some um, density improvements. So then we'd have to change the footprint. Oh, if you ch- touch the foot, foot footprint of this, then we're going back through site plan review. It's going to be another year. It's going to be... I'm, we saved up our personal money by living lean to pay for this. We don't have any more money or any more time for this project. It, like Lance said, Lakewood, Denver, Boulder. I mean, we fly through those. Um, when planning department asks for something, I'm across, I will run over and give them whatever they want. Um, it's anything, anything they want, we'll, we'll give them right away. Um, so we recommend following the the precedents of of Longmont, Lakewood, and and, and other cities is. To give a target and then when you pass it so that we can look at it and then we can apply it to our projects so that it doesn't kill. It looks like there's a backlog of projects. It looks like there's a lot of housing that wants to be built, that a lot of people want to be built, and that would help all the prices. And obviously there's little nuances that everyone has to come together and fix because I I can't solve everything. So number one, no wonder why you're so thin. You have been leaning, you have been living very lean and running to and from city council with drawings. That explains it all, Al. Yep. <laughs> so I have two critiques for this Al Gore character. What's that? And I wonder what you think about this. Yeah. Because I had a written out speech. Yeah. And what I did is I took the secondary role of, um, because you read your written out speech, was then applying to all the different comments that came up during your talk, and a lot of them we didn't play, and during other ones. So then instead of a steady pace written out speech, it was a neurotic back and forth of all these issues. Mine. No, mine. Yours, yes. It was a neurotic, there's this, because I talked about planning and zoning, and what you didn't hear was there was a whole discussion with Lance about planning and zoning. So like I brought that up. So it was more of uh, a reaction, a neurotic reaction, than a calm, cool speech. So I don't know like... Should I have just read my speech and not responded to what happened in the ones before me? I would love – this is, this is one of those podcasts where I feel like we, would, we, we really could use some input from everybody who's listening. If, you, if they would message us, email us, see what they think about it because it's hard for us, it's hard for us to like pull our noses from one inch away from this whole thing. Well, t- just tell me your gut. My gut is, yeah, exactly. I was going to get to that. So people should, please, let us know what you think. What do you think of like, was this the right way? Are you, would, you guys, would you guys think it can't, how, what's your perception? My, my gut says though, if we're thinking about this as if like this is a 12-round boxing match, okay? Mm-hmm. What ha- you know, like think if you think about it that way, okay. Um, maybe my my half hour dialogue with them was like, "Wow, that got us to round eight. Okay, what do you do in round eight then? Do you come at them and you just because what yours is is jab, 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 jab. By the time my wife got up there, which we're not going, we're not going to do her speech or anything like that. So she spoke after we had an intermission. I felt like she was a. She was kind of a knockout. She or she wasn't. She didn't knock him out. I'm not saying she convinced him or anything like that. But I, she was like throwing uppercuts because it was like the third person. And actually, then even after that, there was another developer too. So I guess that's the way I'm thinking about this. Is like, how does it come off if it's a boxing match? Well, here's. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, so MMA is is what I watch, but same same sort of concept. 
So they go in there with a plan. And Mike Tyson says, you always have a plan until you get punched yeah, you get in the punched. face. Yes. Right? So I think that you can play this a little loose. Is that, okay, you go there in a, with a plan. And then you adjust a plan for each round. And each round is the next guy. Right? Um, I think maybe what was, what was crazy was that this was already two hours into it. Right? So my thing is, okay... Still, still adjust the plan and address these issues, but still, but tell yourself, be calm, you know, don't worry. You have enough time and all that, because he said, we're going to go to break after this. I'm sure everyone just wanted to leave. You know, it was, it was real long, but still just that, that would be my suggestion to myself is say, okay, I know that you're going to mix it up because the plan changed, but still be calm, thoughtful. And, and when you're speaking. Yeah, this was your third time, I think, fourth time speaking in this kind of respect uh, at, a, at a either a commission or a city council level. So it just takes practice. Again, you're not going to, if you're going to get into development, you're not going to separate yourself from this stuff. So just be prepared for that. And, and it's not even about being enemies or anything like that. It's just be prepared for it and figure out how you're going to navigate your way through that. And b- before we leave, I would say, I think you should start establishing relationships with with everyone beforehand, and that's the way to go. And start on the help. And I I hesitate to to offer our services right now to planning and zoning because I feel like they might be pissed at us, right? Because before, what we would do with Lakewood is that we would say, "Hey, what's your standards?" and then we tailor our plans for it. So we did that with Longmont, and we even supplied them with a whole list of their standards and what page you could find those on. So normally it should go smoother, but for some reason it didn't, right? Um, so I think other people can take a fresher start and, and, and maybe you are having issues or maybe you're just starting a project. Go in, talk to them, say, okay, what's your standard? Say, hey, uh, we are planning to do this. We're planning to take all of your standards and letting you know what page it's on. Any other suggestions? Any other comments that just freak you guys out that you know, hurts you? And then I would say, okay, you're assigned a planner. Maybe you go tell the building department that too. Um, I'm just spitballing ideas yeah. here, but start the relationship. Start the relationship and get a history, get a precedent set because you can see that it came through when they they knew who we were, they knew our project, they understood it, and it made it more personal. So we weren't just these you know crazy rich developers, robotic people, Lambos, <laughs> man, Lambos. All right, with that, with that, um, please email us, let us know, and hopefully, hopefully somehow. Nick Reeds uh, just ties into this. He usually does. I have no idea if it will this time. So we'll find out. Hello, best friends. I hope you all had a great week this week. It's been a few minutes since we last talked. A reading. Ride the electric sewer. To break the status quo, employees must come face to face with the worst operational problems. Don't let top brass middle brass, or any brass, hypothesize about reality. Numbers are disputable and uninspiring, but come face to face with poor performance is shocking and unacceptable, but actionable. This direct experience exercises a disproportionate influence on tipping people's cognitive hurdle fast. Showing the worst reality to your superiors can also shift their mind 
fast. A similar approach works to help sensitize superiors to leaders' needs fast. Yet few leaders exploit the power of this rapid wake-up call. Rather, they do the opposite. They try to garner support based on a numbers case that lacks urgency and emotional impetus. Or they try to put forth the most explanatory case of their operational excellence to garner support. Although these alternatives may work, neither leads to tipping superiors' cognitive hurdle as fast and stunningly as showing the worst. Blue Ocean Strategy by W. Cham, Kim, and Renee. Lance and Al. Earmuffs. Josh, I enjoyed our meeting the other week in sunny Florida. I didn't have your home address, so I sent the job offer to F9. But don't worry, I marked it super top secret, not to be opened by Al Gore or Lance Keiko. So, yeah, heads up. Alexa, order me 10 pounds of organic gummy bears. Toodles! <laughs> organic gummy bears. I love the people that think they're going to lose weight because they're eating organic gummy bears. That happened. That's, that's real. That's I'm real. S- My wife, just ask her if you ever want to prank her. Be like, honey, do you want to eat some? Marilyn, here's some organic gummy bears. Now I figured, you know, we're, we're trying to watch our weight, so we switched to organic. <laughs> I'm, I'm blinking joking. slowly at you. Uh, no, I know other people too where it's. Um, it's organic or it's uh, vegan, but it's all processed and, and it's like, no, that doesn't, that uh, just because you're eating on, you know, you're still eating processed still nonsense, sugar. processed sugar. sugar. Yeah. yeah. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll light that letter on fire and Josh. What, le- what letter? Did you, yeah. I mean, it never came. Yep. It's funny. I didn't know Josh met with him. So it tied in. Here's how it tied in. Shock and awe. Give them the worst reality. That is exactly what we did, especially in my speech, was this project dies. We're going to kill workforce housing. This is the reality of the situation. And, and, it, and, and they understood that. Like, you know. Our, our next thing is when we talk, I think it's some sort of argument is the worst case scenario is if this goes and applies projects that have been in the work for, you know, over a year is that all those get gummed up and some of them die and then there's legal challenges and then housing is the shortage of housing and prices go up. And then all of a sudden you create this gap of the middle class because you do high ends and low ends and just really hammer that in. And then say the best case scenario is that if you allow those projects to go through smoothly and we're working on, uh, speeding up the planning process, then more projects come and then they're applied to this. So now you get more housing and then more projects with your affordable housing. You get affordable housing and you get lower prices overall. Can we do that? (laughs) (laughs) And then the second part of how it tied in is emotion. So, you know... The fact that we brought emotion into it, I think, is critical. I think it, we already talked about it, how it broke us down from not looking like robots or people who don't care and, you know, 
all of these things and that we're, we're, we're obviously here to help and, and, and help, help them with their goals as well. Um, with, 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 with workforce housing. So there you have it. Thanks a lot, Nick. Uh, I can't believe you met Josh. Who's taller. Who's shorter. Ooh, <laughs> I bet you Nick is a couple inches shorter than Josh. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking too. The two Josh to is very short. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why only a couple. <laughs> All right. ARE Jeopardy. All right, first ARE question. Uh, When considering a fire separation wall between buildings that are connected, the fire wall extends from A, first level, top of subfloor, to highest level, top of subfloor. B, lowest sheathing to highest sheathing. C, concrete foundation to underside of exterior siding. D, from underfloor to roof. One more time. So firewall, y'all got what we're talking about. Is it from the A, first level, top of subfloor, to highest level, top of subfloor? Is it B, lowest sheathing, to highest sheathing? C, foundation, concrete foundation, to underside of exterior sheathing? D, from under floor to roof. And guys, to give you a tips, normally there's one term that, like in all of those, there's one term where if you know that that term generally applies, that's what they're going for. And I'll tell you it after we show answers. Are you guys ready? Ready? C, B, B. So it is C. So B was lowest sheathing to highest sheathing. Um, Sheathing, it it also extends horizontally too. So C was concrete foundation, which is basically a firewall, right? You could say ground too, right? To the underside of exterior sheathing. So the building is still connected and it's connected through that sheathing. So you only have to go to the underside of that sheathing, either vertical or horizontal. And this is what's crazy, which you guys know, like all of you know that and it's drawn that. It's just now applying that to the way questions are word. Yeah, I, that is super hard too. Okay, two. Uh, what is the standard rise and run for commercial stair? A, uh, seven and three quarters rise to 10 inch run. B, seven inch rise to 10 inch run. C, Seven and a half inch rise to eleven and seven eighths inch run. D seven inch rise to eleven inch run. And we wow. should give you a scratch what a paper. Tough one. What a tough one! I know. We'll see. A scratch paper. What do you mean? Who's scratch paper? Because you have scratch paper on the test. Oh yeah. Sure. So like they could write notes. Sure. Whatever. Could, yeah. Okay. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? D D D D. Yes. Correct. Did a layup what's the, there. Where, what's the standing so far? Oh shit. Uh, I need. Can, Two one one. Okay. Two one one. Two one one. Here we go. Number three. What is the thermal conductivity of a material known as A conductivity, B K value, C thermosis, C conduction? (laughs) 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 Oh, sorry, sorry. D conduction. Okay, I'll be ready again. Number three. What is the thermal conductivity of a material known as 
A, conductivity. B, K value. C, thermosis. D, condition. <laughs> I wonder if you made up a word. Al, come on now. <laughs> no hints. No hints. You, you good? Okay, we got it? We're good? What do we got? A, 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 A. Uh, they're all wrong. Uh, K value is the correct answer. B, K value. Yeah. What is the K value? Uh, the made-up word, uh, there was two of them, actually. Thermosis, completely made up. D, condition, completely made up. So there you I go. I love you. Like, <laughs> condition? <laughs> All right, so it's still 211? 2-1-1. Okay. Number four. What is the unit of sound absorption equivalent to the absorption of one square foot of open window known as? A, sound transmission unit. B, decibel unit. C, Sabin. D, window sound rate. I'll read it again. Number four, what is the unit of sound absorption equivalent to the absorption of one square foot of open window known as? A, sound transmission unit. B, decibel unit. C, Sabin. D, window sound rate. Some things might be made up as well. So what's cool about this is what I told everyone last time is that like the end of the test, the last couple of ones, I feel like you fly through because they'll use the same words in. So you'll see like uh, K value and you go, oh, I know that's conductivity, but they'll be asking about moisture. So they're like, that one's eliminated. Yep. So it's like process of elimination. Process of elimination, deduction. Mm-hmm. D, C, B. C. Sabin. We have a tie. Good thing I wrote number five then. Okay. So C, C is Sabin. Sabin. So I always remember that as Nick Sabin, coach of Alabama Crimson Tide. Yes. Roll Tide. That's what you have to do. Roll, roll damn Tide. <laughs> All right, five. Unless, this what if Mark breaker. gets this? This is the tiebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> what if what? what? If Mark gets it? Yeah. Mm. All right, number five, tiebreaker. Here we go. For all, for, for all the marbles. What is the cornerstone used at the exterior angles of a building to visually in, visually indicate strength known as A, cornerstone, B, stone of power, C, strength stone, D, coin? What is the cornerstone used at the exterior angles of a building to visually indicate strength known as yep. A, What is the name of the cornerstone? Cornerstone, B, stone of power, C, strength stone, D, coin. What do we have? What do we have? What do we have? What do we have? A, D, A. It, it is D. Yeah, we have a winner. I know, oh, right? Oh, just for fun. Yeah. Just I, for... I giggled when I thought about that. Stone, stone of power! All right. The ramifications, Jason has to pick lunch. And then uh, Mark has to wear inside the firm shirt next Friday. Everyone, get them on Amazon. I don't even know if they exist there. Just type it in, see if it works. No, no, they do. They do. Look at that. How about this? If you go to uh, on the Facebook post today that announces the uh, the Podcast. the episode I, in the comment section, I will put a link. You can you can buy one. They're they're not they're uh, they're at a, like a, they're not expensive. They're like, like a twelve lower bucks. Rate. Yeah, like something Whatever. like that. They're actually they're actually just like at market rate, no profit. Mm-hmm. Wear them every Friday. Please. Do it, yep. people. No, do it. Not please. Okay, do it. Get after it. You got it. Okay, we'll wrap up. 
So just want to give a quick shout out to Eric Bratzler, who has been messaging us uh, quite frequently. It's awesome. He's been asking us questions about Thumbtack. But most recently, uh, so he's a listener, he, he, he uh, posted a really cool blog uh, post this morning on his own blog. He's a, he is with Respace. Uh, dot design. So if you go check that out, and Al will put a link up on, um, in, in the show notes on the website. So if you go to respace.design forward slash, does photorealistic rendering benefit you? You can probably just Google that whole thing and find find it as well. What's awesome is he breaks it down. He does this really cool blog post. So he breaks it down of like, how does it benefit the con- how does it benefit you, the, um, the architect? How does it benefit the developer? And how does it develop you, the client, so that you can visualize your house if you're doing a house? And then what I really liked is at the end of his blog post, he gave a list. He didn't put prices because he's smart uh, of the levels of renderings that they will do. So level one, level two, level three, all the way to nine, um, and then they they get more detailed and everything like that. What I like about that is uh, we do rendering. We're doing some right now, right? Are we out? We're doing uh, we're doing like walkthroughs and fly through stuff. So we still do them for other people. Sometimes other firms contractors for it. You need to think in that kind of level of detail about: Am I doing a you know very quick down and dirty version, or am I doing a, a very heavy version, so that you can define and understand from your own perspective. How many man hours is it going to take if you have to upgrade any new software so you can provide your clients with an accurate quote? Al Gore. So a lot of times we give like level nine top notch rendering because it's to they just they cost you know thousand dollars plus and they look amazing. Um, what we've been doing now uh, is the program Enscape. I think it costs like two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars a year, and we can do fly throughs right because that's what we're, we're doing a fly through. But what's great about is that you can export an image now the dpis aren't that high it's not going to be that big but for our project what is crazy is that we popped in our development project and i got that did you see the cover page of the that was just from there that we didn't have to do anything to it at all whatsoever and then we got an interior view for for basically basically nothing so check that out maybe for you may not be for you then we bought 250 dollars worth of uh, entourage which is cars people's all that stuff um so that's all i have to add to that there you go uh thanks for everybody for listening i really hope you enjoyed it and then please please know that we're serious if you, this would be a, we'd love to hear your feedback on what you guys thought about how things are happening um, because we have, we have at least two more meetings that we have to go to to make sure that this uh, that the ordinance um, isn't retroactively applied for us. Uh. <laughs> I got one more thing to add. So we'll be doing a uh, webinar myself and Mark LePage um, next Wednesday or Thursday. Let me get it up right now. So I'm going to go to my calendar and I'm going to send out emails to like you know people that are on my email list. It's next Thursday at 2 p.m. with Mark LePage. Um, it's going to talk about our Revit training, and then major, the majority of it is going to focus on how to implement it, what are some tools, what are some tips. So the, probably the easiest way to be aware of it is go to the Entree Architect Facebook group. Join that Facebook group. I'm sure he'll post it there. Um, he'll post an announcement, and then you'll see it. It's, it's a good place to get resources, but just let you know, we'll be doing something special. So um, if you're looking for tips and uh, about Revit and all that stuff that's coming up next Thursday at 2, you can email me directly at akg at f9productions.com. Tuesday, give them a date. Do you have a date on the that one? The 26th, or just get on Entree Architect Tuesday, Facebook. the 24th of July. Okay, then it's a Thursday. Thursday. There you go. My bad. (laughs) Entree Architect, Facebook. Go there. Check it out. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next week.